Broadcasting live to the world now, it's Sheila Zielinski. Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end-time watchwoman, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in today to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Monday, September 28, 2015 edition Hope you all had a wonderful weekend. I broadcast Monday through Friday, weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and as well on Saturday evenings at 11 p.m. Eastern Time on WINB and Worldwide Christian Radio. If you go to weekendvigilante.com, you click on Radio Archives. The call-in number and the other information is linked there, as well as you can get the podcast By going to my website, you'll see the big pink button on the right-hand side that says Podomatic. You can sign up there. You can also download my app. We're still working a few things out of it, but it's starting to populate all the shows under episodes. It's going to be a great app when it's finished, but unfortunately, we're just working a few kinks out with the programmers. But when it's finished, it's going to be fantastic. All the latest news, updates, and show archives at the click of your finger So that's going to be really convenient for you, the listener. And if you have not picked up a copy of Green Gospel, the New World Religion, let me tell you, you want to pick that up for sure, especially what's coming in Paris in December. Frightening indeed. So you definitely want to be getting up to par on what's going on with this very devilish green agenda. And no one covers it quite like me. So do pick up a copy. Do support my work. Go to greengospel.ca and please also do fill out a review at amazon.com. I want to let everyone know that there is an upcoming conference in Dallas, Texas. Hear the Watchmen, it's called. Hear the Watchmen 2016, Dallas, Texas, March 18th, 19th, and 20th. I mean, there's an assemblance of really incredible people that are going to be there, myself included, David Langford, Nathan Leal, Paul McGuire, Hagman and Hagman, Coach Dave Daubenmeyer. It's just an absolute star-studded lineup. And let me tell you, it's going to be a powerful time indeed. And I'm really looking forward to people coming out to that. For more information, visit the website. And the website is, grab a pen, hear the watchmen, M-E-N, hearthewatchmen.com. Tickets are selling like hotcakes, so you definitely want to pick up tickets. The information will be linked there at weekendvigilante.com tomorrow. So do get your tickets this week. That gathering is going to be very good. Now, speaking of watchmen and speaking of very good, my guest today is Pastor Michael Hoggard from the Bethel Church in Festus, Missouri. It is my pleasure to have him back on the program. He's always a fan favorite. Pastor Mike Hoggard, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you back on. Good to be with you again, Sheila, and everybody listening. 
Excellent. Well, Pastor Mike, I think this show is long overdue. I touch on the fellow that we're going to get into in this show today. I touch on him all the time, the Pope. Pope Francis, that's right, the so-called Vicar of Christ. And I'm going to get into this inconclusive proof today that this Pope is a huckster, a fraudster, a charlatan. And in fact, I call his tour the Pope Francis False Prophet 2015 USA Tour because I'll tell you what, there's some really disturbing trends I'm finding. And, you know, you and I get hammered a lot because, you know, what we say ruffles feathers. And I think... There's one thing I always want to encourage people to do is no matter what Michael Hoggard or Sheila Zlinski says, I encourage people to line things up with the word of God, not take our word for it, Michael. But you judge them by their fruits. Now, again, in my book, Green Gospel, I expose the devilish green agenda, but I spend a full chapter on this Jesuit pope and his chicanery, and especially in this big papal encyclical where he calls for this one world global climate authority. And that's a fact. I've got all the evidence in the book, but here's what I want to talk about today. This guy is not nice, and the Catholics freak when I talk about this guy. They just lose it. But I do want to look at some statements by this man. But before I get into that, what troubles you the most, Pastor Michael, on this Pope? What troubles me the most, this has been going on for years inside the Protestant church. It started out with liberal churches in these mainline denominations, United Churches of Christ, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, United Methodist, and so on. But now it's moving into the mainstream. You see uh, T.D. Jakes and Rick Warren at the Capitol building when Pope Francis comes out. Um, These two men are supporters of Pope Francis. And over the last several years, you have seen, uh, first it was the Charismatic Renewal Movement, And now it's into the Baptist churches, it's into the Pentecostal churches, it's white, black churches all across America that are being led to embrace Rome as brethren, to embrace uh, the Pope as a sincerely godly man who should be uh, followed and prayed for and so on. And we are seeing the formation of a united global religion, and the Vatican is the sort of the catalyst of all of that. And it looks to me like the cardinals, whenever they set about to vote for a pope, it was obvious that they wanted a liberal, socialist, politically correct pope who was, as you mentioned, uh, for a a global religion, a global uniting of all the nations, and probably a a global monetary system, which includes a climate change, which is the word for it now. It used to be global cooling. Now it's global warming up. Mike, it used to be called weather. Yeah, yeah. It was just weather. That's what happened. And he is promoting that. And let me throw this idea at you before we move on from this while I'm thinking about it. The Green Agenda actually has its roots in the Scriptures. You and I both know that there is a spirit of this world. There is yeah. mystery, Babylon the Great. She is the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. She is represented as, in the Bible, she's seen as Ashtaroth. She is seen as Diana in the book of Acts and so on. And Paul encountered those who supported her. In the book of Acts, it said that the whole world worshipped 
Diana. And literally, they did and still do, only under different names, yeah. is the Virgin Mary. Uh -huh. Queen of Heaven. Yeah, the Queen of Heaven. That's who she is. And her agenda is uh, she doesn't like all of the humans having control over her or having dominion over her, which is what God gave to Adam and to mankind when he when he created man. He gave him dominion over the earth. And this mystery Babylon spirit does not like that. And that spirit is what pervades in the Vatican predominantly through the Jesuit order, which, I mean, we'll probably talk about it today. I've, I've got loads of information on the Jesuits. And this man is serious about what he's doing. And what what gets me the most is the number of people in America who call themselves Christian, who are not Roman Catholic by name, are now being led by the Protestant leaders to embrace Rome and embrace this pope. And I am afraid, in fact, I know for a fact that this is going to, this is going to ruin what used to be Bible Christianity in America. I totally agree. Well, and I just, I want to look at some of the statements by this man, Mike. So one of the statements he's made recently, and actually, let's look at some historical statements by this man. So number one, the church no longer believes in a literal hell where people suffer. So like the fable of Adam and Eve, he says, we see hell as a literary device. Hell is merely a metaphor for the isolated soul, which like all souls ultimately will be united in love with God. Basically saying, well, you know, the church has been harsh on sin. Isn't that stunning? It is, but this has been going on for years. I, I, when I was in high school back in the uh, early to mid-80s, there was a, a guy that I had s several classes with, and he was uh, his family was Roman Catholic. He he had attended a Catholic high school here in this area, and every now and then would go to a Catholic church on Christmas and Easter. He was one of those Catholics. And I don't know, the conversation came up about hell, and he looked at me and he laughed, and he said, you don't believe in that, do you? And I said, yeah, that's what the Bible says. And he said, no, my priest told me that that was a story that they made up to scare little kids. And I was just stunned at this. And I'm going, this is supposed to be a man of God who's supposed to teach people the way of salvation, and yet he doesn't believe in hell. He thinks it's make-believe. And it began to occur to me that in order to be a Roman Catholic priest, you don't really need to believe the Bible. You don't need to believe the doctrines of the Bible. What you need to believe is what Rome tells you to believe, and you need to practice all the little rituals that Rome tells you to practice in order to get God's grace or the Pope's grace or you know, reduce sentence in, in purgatory or whatever. But this has been an ongoing thing in the Roman Catholic system is that um, probably a large majority of Catholic priests no longer believe in a literal hell. They no longer believe in a six-day creation. Uh, and so that calls into question all of the other doctrines that you and I gain and glean from the Scriptures it is apparent that these men don't believe the Word of God. Well, and like the fable of Adam and Eve, the fable? It's a yeah. pretty, and this is what's even more stunning is that he says now, and I quote, Darwinism and the Big Bang Theory, it lines up with Scripture. I mean, really? Yeah, the Catholic system, the Vatican, the Jesuits in particular, they hate the Word of God. And that is because of the spirit 
that is behind them. It's the God of this world that's blinded their eyes. It's Mystery Babylon the Great. They hate the Word of God. They tried between 1604 and 1611, they tried to undermine the work of the uh, translating committee of the King James Bible. Chris Pinto did an excellent video on this called A Light uh, or a Lamp in the Darkness. Right. And they tried to stop that Bible from being translated. Well, it didn't work. So now the Bible's translated. That Bible comes and it builds basically this nation. And that Bible is the basis for what people have believed now for over 400 years. And so the Vatican and the Jesuits say, well, if we can't destroy its publishing, we will destroy it in the minds of the people who say they believe it or the minds of religious people. And so it's no wonder to me that the Vatican and the Jesuits and this pope, who is a black pope worshiping Jesuit, comes as no surprise to me that these men would try to undermine the creation account, the what you said, the myth of Adam and Eve, probably the story of Noah, the story of Moses. They are going to fabulize and mythalize, if that's even a word, all of these basic core beliefs that we have that come from our Bibles. It's because they hate the Word of God, and they hate anybody who stands for the Word of God. And I have found, Sheila, over the years in trying to talk to people that are Roman Catholic, most of them have been so inoculated against the Bible and against what it says. I had a conversation with a lady in Dallas, Texas. She was at a prophecy conference down there a couple years ago. She came up to me and she introduced herself and she said, I've been watching your videos and I love uh, just about everything you say. But she said, your idea of the Catholic Church is wrong. And she said, I'm a Roman Catholic, and I love the Lord. And I just felt the Holy Spirit leading me to say this to her. I said, ma'am, here's what I want to ask you to do. The next time you go into your Catholic Church and you see all those statues inside that church, and she cut me off, and she said, I know our priest told us that it's wrong to have statues of false gods. And I said, no, ma'am. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says, thou shall not make unto thee any graven Graven image. And she looked at me like she had never heard that before in her life. She was following the Pope and what he said, but what the Word of God said, she had no knowledge of it. Well, why would they have any knowledge of it? They don't read their Bibles, for one thing. And even in my father's day, they were highly discouraged to even know what the sermons were about. I mean, they were all in Latin, so they couldn't even understand the messages. No, they wanted it to be a mystery. They, you hear them talk about the mystery of the sacrament, the mystery of marriage, the mystery of, of this and the mystery of that. Roman Catholicism is the premier mystery Babylon religion in this world. And God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, and it's a lack of knowledge amongst 1.2 billion people in this world who claim to be Roman Catholics who have not enough knowledge of what the Word of God says, much less a belief in the Word of God to bring them out of that bondage, and it is bondage because the Catholics are taught that they have to go to the confessional, which is the confessional is the sort of the... um, the power plant of Rome. It is where Rome derives its power over its people. And they go to the confessional. They have to tell this priest everything that they've done 
there's a book that people can get. It's called 50 Years in the Roman Church by Charles Chiniqui. He was a Roman Catholic priest up in French, Canada, and God saved him out of it. And he began to write about the things that were going on in Roman Catholicism. He wrote a book called The Priest, the Woman, and the Confessional. This was in the 1800s. He showed that these Catholic priests back then were getting these young ladies, especially these young wealthy girls, inside the confessional and getting them to to open up and confess lustful sexual sins to this priest. And what that priest was doing, he was, he was grooming this young lady inside the confessional so that later on he could have sex with her. And the same thing is being done now with this whole child molestation scandal in the United States and probably all over the world is that these Roman priests are using the confessional to get into these little boys and these little girls and for the Pope to come over here and say that he's going to deal with the problem is disingenuous because the problem is the Vatican itself and their power that they hold over people. They have shut up the kingdom of God to 1.2 billion people, and that number is going to grow now because of the favor that this pope has. Well, you just mentioned something interesting, 1.2 billion people. You've got to remember, 1.2 billion people literally worship this man. And that is a really mind-numbing statistic. And there was a speech that shocked many, Michael, a year ago when the Pope claimed all religions are true because they're true in the hearts of those who believe in them. And he went on to say, hey, just do good. Do what you think is right by your standards. That's good enough. But Proverbs twelve fifteen says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. I That's mean, right. basically, they're saying today we no longer judge like a loving father, we don't condemn our children. In the past, the church has been harsh on a few things. But, you know, hey, we now don't deem anything morally wrong. It's just about what you think in your heart is good. I mean, is this not absolute mind-boggling compared to what the Bible actually says? So this is the interesting scripture that says, even if somebody should, even an angel should come to you with any other doctrine, it says, let them be accursed. I mean, does that register with anyone? And sure, and you take that verse, Paul said that in Galatians chapter 1, you take that verse and you look at what's going on inside the the Catholic Church where you have these angel statues, you have these saints that have been uh, beatified and given sainthood by a pope of some kind. These essentially are gods that have a part in people's salvation. And if you look at it from the Catholic perspective, looking at Galatians 1 and what Paul said, then you see that exact thing. It is the ministry of these particular idols and saints and angels that people are told, you're, you're supposed to pray for St. Joseph if you need this. You're to pray to St. Jude if you right. need that. You're to pray to St. Mary if you want favor with Jesus who hates you and he's mad at you, and you need to go to his mama and say, Dear Blessed Virgin, please pray for me to your son that he will not cast me in purgatory and these things like that. And it's these angels and these people that have brought in another gospel. And Paul was so adamant about this concept of someone preaching another gospel. He said it twice. In the book of Galatians chapter 1, he said, Again, I say unto you, though we are an angel from heaven, bring you any other gospel. Let him be accursed. Rome is accursed, and those who are now 
going to bed with Rome are accursed. Um, Sheila, I talked a couple years ago. Uh, the scandal broke between Benny Hinn and Paula White, these two charismatic right. leaders, because they were photographed going into a Rome hotel holding hands. They had made several trips into this hotel. They were having, they admitted, they were having an affair inside this hotel in Rome, Italy. And that made big headlines. Here's the problem that I had. Wasn't so much the affair that they were having is why they were in Rome. They were in Rome because they were invited there and they were having meetings in the Vatican with Vatican officials. So then this pope comes out. He's a smiling pope. He is everybody's friend, pulling in all of these charismatics, Kenneth Copeland, James Robeson, John Arnott from the Toronto Blessing, and others are going into um, this Vatican system, and they're in bed with Rome, and nobody of the charismatic movement is calling them out or saying anything about it. Absolutely. And if someone does say anything about it, well, the venomous fangs come out. It is hard to believe that Kenneth Copeland and others would jump on board with this doctrine. And then, of course, you've got Rick Warren, Mr. Chrislam himself. All this effort to try to unify religions. He is Time's Man of the Year. And I was thinking, you know, there's a very famous quote from Charles Spurgeon that says that very church that the world likes best is sure to be that which God abhors. Even recently, the Pope made an absolutely alarming statement when he said, hey, as far as homosexuality goes, who am I to judge? Yeah. Who are you to judge? I mean, he's saying basically our church is big enough for heterosexuals, homosexuals, for the pro-life, the pro-choice, for conservatives, liberals. Do what you want. Worship what you want. It's all the same God. Here's a guy that also has been known to go into mosques and pray Allah's God, it's all the same thing. I mean, is this not shocking to people, Michael? It should be shocking to everyone, but those who know the Word of God and they know a little bit about what the Jesuit order is all about, it's not shocking. It, it doesn't shock me. He's being a good Jesuit. The Jesuits were started they were called the Society of Jesus. Boy, it just sounds spiritual. The <laughs> Jesuits were started by a man by the name of Ignatius de Loyola, and he asked for and was granted the ability to start a brand new order called the Jesuits, the Society of Jesus, uh, in the 1500s. And what he wanted to do, what he wanted this for, was a militant arm of the Vatican that would enforce Vatican theology. It would enforce Vatican rule. It would enforce the, the Vatican's vast treasuries. It would enforce all of these things in whatever way possible. Jesuits uh, put themselves inside of governments. They put themselves inside of business affairs. They put themselves in inside of, uh, of academics in every country. There are Jesuit universities all over the world training young men and women in a Jesuit or with a Jesuit mindset, uh, putting people inside of denominations and Christian ministries, infiltrating into those organizations, publishing companies. One of the things that I deal with 
uh, a lot in the watchman ministry that God has given me. And one of the things I think is one of the most dangerous things that's in the Protestant church right now is a form of prayer called contemplative prayer. Yeah. And contemplative prayer came right out of Ignatius de Loyola. In many places, it's called Ignatian contemplation. It was named after him. And what happened was when it when de Loyola started recruiting these priests, he would bring them in and that they were under some very, very strict training programs. One of which, one of the programs involved what's called spiritual exercises. And what Ignatius de Loyola did, he would train these priests and he ransacked all of the religions of the world. He brought in uh, meditation, transcendentalism. He brought in this idea of Ignatian contemplation, which is you repeat a phrase or a word over and over and over again, which Jesus told us not to do when we pray. He said, do not use vain repetitions. And these priests then were, would be in contact with familiar spirits. That's where contemplative prayer leads. And so these men now under the control of the Jesuit general, the black Pope, now under the control of familiar spirits, these men would stop at nothing and would do anything that they felt like they could get away with in order to advance the cause of Rome and the Vatican. They are still doing it to this day. Uh, some of the listeners may have read Jack Chick's comic series called Alberto. And it was based upon the testimony of a former Jesuit priest from Spain named Alberto Rivera. And Alberto uh, went to Jack Chick and told him the things that he had encountered, told him some of the meetings that he had sat in on where priests and Jesuits were being trained to infiltrate into denominations, to infiltrate into publishing houses. And I remember hearing this all the way back in the 80s when this comic series first came out. And I wasn't sure that I was, that I was believing what was said. Alberto Rivera is now dead. Uh, there are some who claim that he was, he was murdered by the Jesuits. But when I look at what's going on right now and how major publishing companies like Zondervan and David C. Cook and Nav Press and all of these other, at one time, decent Christian publishing groups are now publishing and promoting contemplative prayer, Ignatian contemplation, promoting walking a, um, a labyrinth, a prayer labyrinth. They're promoting these things, and I can only conclude that at some point there was an infiltration by a Jesuit agent or by someone who worked with a Jesuit agent to get into these high places of denominations, publishing companies, and so on, in order to bring in these spiritual exercises, which would draw that denomination and its people away from the Word of God. How many denominations, how many churches 50 years ago would only use an authorized King James Bible as compared to what it is right now. How many bookstores actually carry King James Bibles? How many preachers actually preach out of one on a consistent basis? How many churches actually say, this is our one Bible, this is what we believe, we're not going to believe anything else? They have all been led away by the spiritual exercises, by the publishing companies who started printing these Bibles, started promoting these Bibles, started uh, promoting everything away from 
the inerrant word of God. And so when I look at Francis, who is a Jesuit, first Jesuit pope, when I look at him and what he's doing, it really is no surprise to me that he's doing this. Anybody who knows the Jesuits know this is what they do. If people do the research on Ignatius Loyola, I mean, he's known for, you know, you touched on it, these spiritual exercises, which Catholics would consider holy. But when you really get down into the nitty gritty, Michael, we're talking about vain imaginations, false visions, sorcery, witchcraft and divination, really, aren't we? Yeah, and you nailed it with witchcraft because that's what these Jesuits uh, were promoting. Number one, when you look in the Bible and see all the pictures and, and symbols and typology of Mystery of Babylon, like Jezebel. Jehu spoke of Jezebel and, and mentioned her witchcrafts and her whoredoms. And the issue of whoredom is there's, there's two types. There's physical and there's spiritual. And what's happening is, is that Babylon is the whore, and Babylon is going after all of these churches and trying to lure them into bed with her spiritually. This is why Copeland, Benny Hinn, Paula White, James Robeson, John Arnott, and others have made their pilgrimage to the Vatican. And Rick Warren, T.D. Jakes, they've all jumped in bed with the whore. And now they're guilty of spiritual whoredoms. And let me, if I, if I can, I have a copy, and you can find this online, of the oath that a Jesuit priest takes before he is proclaimed, I guess, by the Jesuit general, the Black Pope, before he can be called a Jesuit priest. Uh, this comes by way of, and there's several places on the internet, this oath is taken from a book called The Subterranean Rome. It was written in French, published in the mid-1800s. And uh, Jack Chick has published this. Um, Alberto Rivera has made this known that this is, what, this is what he said that he swore an oath to. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read some very relevant parts so that people could understand this is what these people do. The Jesuit says, I now in the presence of Almighty God, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Blessed Michael, the Archangel, and all these blessed saints, and so on and so on and so on. They're swearing an oath here, and they believe that they swear allegiance to His Holiness the Pope, and they believe that he is Christ's vice-regent and is the true and only head of the Catholic or universal church throughout the earth, and that by virtue of the keys of binding and loosing given to His Holiness by my Savior, Jesus Christ, he hath power to depose heretical kings, princes, states, commonwealths, and governments, all being illegal without his sacred confirmation, and that they may be safely destroyed. Therefore, to the utmost of my power, I shall and will defend this doctrine of his holiness right and custom against all usurpers of the heretical or Protestant authority. This Jesuit Pope believes that anybody who attends a church that is not Roman Catholic is a heretic. He specifically mentions Lutherans of Germany, Holland, Denmark, Sweden, Norway. Uh, he mentions many others, Protestant liberals, and so on. He goes on to say, I do further promise and declare that notwithstanding I am dispensed with to assume my religion heretical for the propaganda of the mother church's interest. Here's what he's saying. A Jesuit priest can infiltrate into, let's say, a, a Baptist denomination, and there's several of them. He can then say that he believes that Roman Catholicism is a heresy and that it's wrong in order to gain the trust of the people that he's working with. 
It's like the Jesuits are the CIA of the Vatican. They go in, they gather intelligence, they infiltrate, they depose governments, they throw down denominational stands, and 100 years ago in this country, every preacher that stood behind a pulpit would point the finger at Rome and say, Rome at Vatican is the whore of Babylon, and the Pope is the Antichrist. Whereas nowadays, we are kissing Baal. The churches in America are kissing Baal and turning themselves over to Baal worship inside the Roman Catholic Church, because I'm telling you, that is not Jesus Christ hanging there emaciated on the crucifix in the Catholic Church. It's not. It is the idle shepherd spoken of by the uh, prophet Zechariah, and it is basically, it's an emblem of the Antichrist. Absolutely. I've got an ABC transcript, and I really want to talk to the listeners about this statement that was made just over the weekend. This was two days ago. Again, Pope Francis being in the States, he stopped at New York St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. Now, never mind, Mike, that he's been wooing the Muslims into the Vatican tent for some time. And, of course, back in November, he prayed inside a mosque in Istanbul, and he defended Islam as a religion of peace. And, of course, just a few weeks ago, he issued that order for all Catholics in Europe to take in Muslim, you know, migrants to live with them in their home. But, no, it didn't stop there, not by a long shot. Here's what was so shocking, and perhaps the most shocking, the most stunning words to ever come out of the Pope's mouth, George Bergoglio might add. He took his, reportedly, his title off St. Francis of Assisi, the patron saint to the environment. But here's the shocking part. He says, the failure of the cross. Wait a minute, what? Yeah. It is because of Jesus on the cross that we have salvation. It's because of the cross that we now have access to the Father and a full pardon for our sins. It is because of the cross and not hell is our destination. The cross shows us a different way of measuring success. We need to remember that we are followers of Jesus Christ, humanly speaking, which ended in failure, the failure of the cross. I have the transcript. I've read it. I've listened to it over. I mean, isn't that shocking? Yeah, it is. Here's the Apostle Paul. This is sort of ironic. Here's the Apostle Paul writing to the Roman church, to the believers in Rome, saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then he's he's contrasting now the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is Christ crucified on the cross, and he, he contrasts that with the religion of man. And he says in verse 21 of Romans 1, he says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And here it is. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image. That's an idol made like to corruptible man. That's your crucifix and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God. The truth of God is that Christ finished the work of salvation on the cross 
who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature, which would be the Pope, which would be Mary, which would be an idol, more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And what you're telling me, you have the transcript of Cardinal Bergoglio, which is his real name, Pope Francis, falls directly in line with what Catholic doctrine is about salvation. You see, Rick Warren and these guys, and even Billy Graham was guilty of this, of saying, yes, the Roman Catholic Church, yeah, they've got some doctrines that we don't agree with, but they have been the great bastions of the faith as far as preserving the Godhead, which is the Trinity, and they teach this, and they teach that, and so on. And making these guys out to be really good, it's just that they're just another denomination that has a difference. Here is the Vatican's view on salvation. They do not believe that Jesus Christ finished the work of man's salvation on the cross, so they think he was a failure there, even though in every Catholic church you have this idol of a dead whatever on the cross. They do that because this, again, is their power base. You go to the confessional, you tell the priest all your sins. Your priest, it's like he gets a calculator out and he starts adding them all up, and then he says, okay, uh, that was pretty bad this week. Yeah, absolve, nominate, patri, or whatever they and they're going to take away their sins, most of their sins, because they don't believe that Christ's death on the cross atones for all sins. So they tell this person, there are sins that you did that you must pay for. You either will serve us, you will do good deeds for us, or you will give us land you'll give us donations, you'll give us money. The Catholic Church still sells indulgences to this day, which is, if you send, we will say a a mass for you, but it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a thousand bucks, five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. My wife and I, last Friday, we were up in West St. Louis County, and we like to go to these secondhand shops and just find what everybody's throwing away. We have found, no kidding, There's a Roman Catholic secondhand store in West St. Louis County. I'm not going to give the name or where it is or anything like that, that has probably the best secondhand junk of any place I've ever seen. Some of this stuff is brand new. And I told my wife, I said, you know why I think that is? I think that is because the Roman Catholic Church tells its people, you have to pay us. You have to atone for your sins. So give over large sums of money or give brand new clothing or give furniture, or give whatever it is you have over to this charitable organization, and that's going to give you points with God in heaven because you're going to need it. This is going to, if you donate this brand new living room set, which they have them in here, if you donate this brand new living room set, then that will take years off of you being in a mythological made-up place called purgatory, which the Bible says nothing about. The simple truth of it is, They hate the cross of Jesus Christ. Absolutely, they do. And that's really what the bottom line is. Now, you mentioned Baal worship earlier there. Mike, you've done a lot of work on symbolism. You've looked at 
a lot of pagan symbols. But look at the satanic, pagan, Luciferian symbols within the Catholic Church. They're full of these heretical symbols, the six-pointed stars, the mason triangle, the eye of Horus, the obelisk. I mean, I could go on and on and do a whole show just on the pentagrams and the hexagrams. Right. and the. It is just absolutely mind-numbing what is in this very devilish church. Let's talk about some of the symbolism. Manley Hall was a, um, he was an occult theorist. He was an occult writer. And uh, Manley Hall, because of his interest in things that were of an occult nature, uh, was given large sums of money by, uh, I think, one family or a group of people or whatever. And his library is still operating today. It's in, I think it's in the L.A. area in California. But anyway, Manley Hall was basically paid to go study and research every religion and every philosophical idea that's ever existed or ever known about on planet Earth since the creation. And Hall did that. And he went through every ancient mystery religion. He went through things that some people had never even heard of. He even looked into uh, the doctrines and the beliefs of Native Americans and First Nations people up in Canada, and the Aztecs and the Mayans and the Incas and so on. He looked at everything. And he writes a book. He puts it all together in a book called uh, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And what he's got in here is he shows that all of the mystery religions, all of the secret societies, all of the, all of the cults around the world, all of the philosophies of the world, they are all little pieces of the same puzzle, and the names are changed in different ages different, with different languages and different religious observations. But he basically said that they are all part of a one great big gigantic secret that will change the entire world once this secret is known, once this secret uh, comes to reality and so on. And many, many times he'll mention Rosicrucianism, he'll mention Freemasonry, he'll mention the adepts and the sages of, of ancient Egypt, Sumeria, Babylon, he'll, he'll mention them all. And then he will always make an analogy between what they believed and what the Roman Catholic Church believed. And he knew what the Pope represented. He knew the Pope did not represent the true Jesus Christ. He represents the Antichrist, although Manley Hall never called him that. But you're looking at a religion that is full of mysteries, full of doctrines, full of symbols, like you said. The obelisk there in St. Peter's Square. And I thought it was interesting. I don't know exactly what the meaning of it is. But here in the middle of St. Peter's Square is a giant obelisk. It's a pillar. It has four square sides, and it has a four-sided pyramid up on top of it. The letters B-E-L in the word obelisk show you that the name Baal is embedded in this name. It is Baal's shaft. It is, for lack of a better word, it is the god Baal's private part that the story in the story of Osiris and Isis, Osiris was was murdered. The sun god was murdered, and that's represented by the sun going down at night. And the theory was that Osiris was murdered, and he went through the underworld. And the evil Seth, who murdered Osiris, cut his body in fourteen pieces. And Isis was Osiris's sister, 
and his lover, and she sought about trying to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, or Osiris. And she finds 13 pieces and puts them all together, but she's missing a piece, and that is the 14th piece, which is the obelisk or Baal's shaft. So here is Pope Francis, who gets up every morning facing this obelisk in St. Peter's Square, surrounded by a circle. And then he comes to America, and he stands, and he gives a speech from the Capitol steps in Washington, D.C., facing the Washington's Monument, a 555-foot-tall obelisk that is supposed to represent the power and strength of America, but it's essentially Baal's shaft, and here the Pope, there's, there's your connection there. The bail shaft being in Washington, D.C., the obelisk being in St. Peter's Square, and there are countless other places. I found out that, what's her name, the founder of the, uh, the Seventh-day Adventists. Ellen White. Yeah. Her tombstone, her tomb marker is an obelisk. All right? Yes, that is correct. There it is. There's a, there is the spirit of Baal presiding over the Catholic Church presiding over the congressional halls and all of the goings-on in Washington, D.C., that spirit is alive and well and orchestrating the event. It, it makes more sense if you believe in a conspiracy of spirits that are working to bring about a unified religion, unified government, unified world currency, all of humanity being one together, being brethren, and St. Francis, the talking pope, is the biggest leader of that in the world. He's not only a talking head. Who would ever have thought, Michael, that we would see the very air we breathe being hijacked and demonized? Of course, you know, CO2, that deadly pollutant we breathe out. Who would ever think that the pope would put his moral authority behind this radical environmental agenda? Of course, that they're going to be doing the big show COP21 in Paris. Of course, he talked to the UN just last week. And on June 18th, we saw him put his moral weight and authority behind this very pagan United Nations. And it's very radical, I might add, because, of course, when he issued that unprecedented 192-page papal encyclical on care for our common home to good old 1.2 billion Catholics across the globe saying, bottom line, listen up, we have got to do something about this terrible runaway global warming. And here's the thing. He actually, I mean, I don't know, Mike, when the Pope became a climatologist, but he said in his sharply worded manifesto, he says, and he chides climate skeptics for their denial. He said, you know, we're witnessing a disturbing warming of the earth. Humans are largely to blame for that dramatic change in the climate. Nothing short of a bold cultural revolution can halt humanity. Get Mm -hmm. this spiral into self destruction because of course you know the earth isn't under god's benevolent control at all the earth is our home and it's beginning to look like a pile of filth he says so here's what is the more dramatic statement he called for a drastic change in lifestyle production and consumption now this goes back if you look at karl marx writings and the communist manifesto i mean this is right lockstep with karl marx and he's a self-professed satanist And yet, who would have ever thought they'd hijack the very air we breathe to bring in a one-world climate authority? Isn't that bold? It is. And let me tell you this. 
it's actually, again, when you know the Catholic Church and know what they believe and know what their symbols are, uh, you understand it. In most towns and cities in America, I know where we live, the St. Louis area has a heavy uh, Catholic population. Even uh, we live south of St. Louis uh, in a county just below that, and there's a, there's a lot of Roman Catholics around. And if you drive through Festus, Missouri, and drive through the neighborhoods, you're going to see in probably one out of every five houses in this town a flower bed with bushes and nice blooming flowers in it, and you're going to see a statue of the Virgin Mary right in the midst of that grove is what it is. I'm doing a series of Watchmen broadcasts. The second part just came out last night. The third part, I have the script done for, and it'll be ready next week, called The Groves. And I want to encourage everybody to watch this because it's going to, it's going to explain to us what grove worship was all about, and it has everything to do with the environmental movement. Pope Francis is endorsing this environmentalist movement because one of the key factors of this is sort of like what's written on the Georgia Guidestones. Get the human population down to under 500,000. Now, I don't know how they plan on doing that. I just know that most environmentalists want it that way. Their idea, and they're being led by the Spirit, their idea is that humans are the worst thing to ever happen to planet Earth. If we get most of the humans off, the earth will feel better, the earth will be better, and we won't have this climate change nonsense that they all believe in. Here's where this stems from. I go back to the book of Genesis, and it's interesting to me that God gave man dominion over the earth, over the fowls of the air. That's why we can eat chicken, and he gave him dominion over the beasts of the earth. So in Genesis, man has dominion over the beast and over the land. In Revelation, we see that God has given dominion over man to the beast and to this goddess whore, Mystery Babylon, who represents this world. She's called Gaia, and Gaia is the fertility goddess who is represented by this world. And so we see a turning of things upside down here. Now God is going to invoke his wrath against mankind for staying away from the gospel and not believing it and turning the glory of God into an image of an idol. God's going to turn this world over now to where instead of man ruling over a beast, the beasts are going to rule over a man. This was very interesting. I, I read Revelation 17, I don't know how many times, and I never saw this until I started doing this research on what the groves represented. And by the way, next week I'm going to put in some information about the Bohemian Grove out in California where all these rich American leaders, very powerful people, go once a year and they all have this little talk. Nobody knows what's going on, but they're out there, and they have this ceremony in front of a, the god Molech, and they're worshiping this idol out there. Well, Mike, but, in German paganism, the grove, especially oak tree grove, yeah. symbolized fertility, power, and sacrifice brought under the guise of eugenics. It's all tied into this fertility, fecundity, sacrifice, and power. That was also worshipped by the National Socialist Party, the great desire yeah. of the National Socialist Party was obviously become fertile and powerful enough, sacrificial eugenics measures. I mean, it's all in this social Darwinism. It's all one big eclectic mishmash of pagan pantheism, isn't it? Yeah, when Elijah was going to uh, square off and face off with Ahab and Jezebel, the Bible says he dealt with, number one, uh, 400 
150 prophets that sat at Jezebel's table. And then he was dealing with 400 prophets of the groves. And I never really understood. I knew that grove worship was, you know, active at that time. And people, here's what people would do. They're doing it just the same way now with Mary in a garden. They would plant a grove of trees or a grove of flowers or plants of some kind, and they would put an idol in the midst of that. And that idol, that spirit behind that idol was comfortable with being in around the trees. There are tree deities that people worshiped. I think the prophets of the groves that Elijah dealt with were the forerunners of what you said, the Germans worshiping the groves, the Druid priest worshiping oak yes, trees and having yes. their rituals and sacrifices in, in the forest. And what made my jaw drop one day, Sheila, was in studying this, I was looking at Revelation 17, and I noticed that when the angel was going to show John the beast and the woman that was riding that beast, they didn't go to the city. They didn't go to the village where man lives. They went to the wilderness. The wilderness is always in the Bible. It is a place where man does not dwell. And in many cases, he has been eliminated from dwelling on that land. I have a family member, not somebody in my immediate family, not my children or anything like that, but a relative of mine works for a company, a nonprofit corporation, that what they do is his job right now is to go around to Microsoft, IBM, Ford, goes to all these big, large corporations with tons of money. He wines and dines their leaders, gets them to write a check for millions of dollars to this organization. And this organization then will take that money and they'll buy land like in Colorado or other places, they'll buy land and run everybody off of it so that land can be turned back over to the beast. Turning the authority that God gave man over the land, they're turning it over to the beast of this earth right now. And that's what the Pope is doing. He absolutely is. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, people think Agenda 21 is a depopulation eugenics movement, and part of it is. But really, if you really get into the deeper tentacles of this thing, this is a pagan occultic form of bringing back everyone under goddess worship. Back to Gaia, Diane, Sammy Ramos, the Queen of Heaven. Call it what you want, but it's an absolute pagan death cult. And all those sustainability and eco-friendly and saving the planet, they all sound really good. But it's not this benevolent agenda, Mike. It's a very devilishly malevolent agenda. And here's the bottom line. If this anti-capitalist, socialist, Marxist pope, if he's so concerned about wealth redistribution and the impoverished, he's always talking about poverty and ecology, why doesn't he start selling off the Vatican properties? <laughs> Amen. Jesus was looking in the eyes of the scribes and the Pharisees that he was talking against, and he wasn't afraid of them. Matthew chapter 23, and he nailed it down. If you, if you read Matthew 23 and, and picture the Pope, the Vatican, the priesthood of the Vatican, and even a lot of current Protestant preachers, you will see that while they say one thing, they do another, they put burdens upon people when they themselves will not lift a finger, and their whole agenda is power and money and having that power 
over the people. And what Jesus said in Matthew 23 to the scribes and Pharisees of his day, I think directly applies to the Vatican and all the preachers that are now going to bed with Rome. It's all about power and it's all about the money. Absolutely. This coalescence of things he's doing is not lining up with Bible scripture. And again, people have to be very careful that they don't get duped by these doctrines of devils. Amen. Because what does the Bible say? You know, we got to keep our eyes open and Amen. we got to keep our spiritual discernment up. And the word is a discerner. And if you're not reading your Bible, well, then there you have it. And a lot of people are not doing that. So we just want to encourage people to get in the word. And if something's not lining up with Bible scripture, well, then that should be a huge red flag. For the new listeners, Mike, do give out your website in the waning moments. My biggest website is (laughs) youtube.com. I have videos all over YouTube. They can go to pastormikehogger.com, which is my blog, or propheticresearchministry.com, watchmanvideobroadcast.com. Go to Google, Yahoo, and type in my name, and you'll get one of the websites. Everything is also linked there on the bio today. And Mike, I just want to thank you for all your hard work as a watchman, everything that you do. Just really good work. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, it's all about God preparing his people for the days that we're living in. Inform yourselves, learn from the word of God, and that will sustain you as we go in these days. Absolutely. Very well said. Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you so much for coming on the program today. And God bless you. Do come back and see us soon. My pleasure, Sheila. God bless you. Folks, that was Pastor Michael Hoggard from Bethel Church. All his information is linked there on the Monday, September 28th bio at weekendvigilante.com. I do want to encourage you, please do, if you didn't listen to the beginning of the program, get your tickets for Hear the Watchmen, the conference, Saddle for Battle, The Crusade Across America Begins, Worship, Revival, and Restoration. Do check out the website at Hear the Watchmen, that's M-E-N, not Watchmen, hearthewatchmen.com. Tickets are selling like hotcakes, so do get over there, get your tickets. It's an amazing lineup of incredible people. I myself will be there. There'll be Pastor David Langford, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, the Hagmans, Paul McGuire, Nathan Leal, John Robertson, just a fantastic lineup. You won't want to miss that. Again, hearthewatchmen.com. Get your tickets today for that. And do get a copy of Green Gospel, my book. I lay out all this devilish green agenda, the roots of it, what it's all about, where it's going for the future. People are really quite astounded at the amount of information they tell me they learned by reading my book, greengospel.ca. And if you are a new listener just tuning in, you can also sign up for my podcast by clicking on that big pink button that says Podomatic on the right-hand side of my website. And lastly, I do have an app. So if you missed at the beginning of the program, in the next several days, all the shows should be populated. You just simply download the app at the App Store, search Sheila Zelinsky. Very convenient. And do sign up for my Twitter, Facebook, and my YouTube channel. All my social media buttons are at the top right on the website. Tomorrow, we have the ever-controversial Pastor Stephen Anderson as we continue with our week theme, The Pope Exposed. 
And as well this week, Danny Morano, Augusto Perez, and Paul McGuire. It's going to be a great lineup this week. Thank you so much for tuning into the program. See you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.